Bap, bap, bap. It's me, America's sweetheart. A couple more uh, tour dates coming up. How many episodes have we done of this? And I still don't know how to start a podcast. The boys just say it. They're like, hi, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh, October 13th. Well, they probably ever at the Warner Theater. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe men are smarter than women. I'm I'm starting to be sexist. <laughs> I just I wrote this out in a way that was like shorthand. And I remember being like, I'm going to be I'm going to know what it is. And now yeah. I'm like 2023 Erie PA Warner Theater. So you WhitneyCummings.com, you guys, I don't know what to tell you. I pay a web guy like eight Bitcoin a month to maintain my website. So please just go there. October 14th, I'm going to be in Washington, Pennsylvania at the Hollywood Casino at the Meadows. I know that's a really long title, but casinos are fun. And then next year, I'm going to be in Las Vegas. We're putting the tour together now uh, for next year. So if you want to send me DMs and you want me to come to your city, trust me, I will be there. Uh, Assuming I somehow survive childbirth. I think I'm going to be fine in childbirth. Crackheads do it. Every day. Crackheads do it every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> or fentanyl heads. I don't know what the most uh, the most topical drug is. Um, anyway, so I'm done. I'm back. I just shot my sixth hour special, and now I can do more opens and more rants. You're welcome. I just knocked out a special for OFTV. People keep asking me, where do we see specials that are uncensored? YouTube now is making you take out talking about the vaccines and uh, and you can't say porn star and you can't say, I don't even want to say the words now because then this will get knocked out. But I'm doing it for OnlyFans TV, not the subscription site. They have a streamer now. It's just OFTV.com. Free comedy is on there. I'm doing their first special. It's not chock full of porn. Don't panic. You're not going to get divorced. It's the new thing. Matt Reif even talked about OFTV on Joe Rogan. What more do you want? I'm the first official stand-up special. Um, I think it's going to come out Thanksgiving is my guess. I'm their first stand-up special. Maybe it's because my last name was Cummings. They picked me. Not clear, but they picked me. And I'm going to be the one taking the bullet on there. The money shot, as it were. So y'all remember I did the roast of me and then the roast of Burt Kreischer on OFTV. So just OFTV.com. Same streamer. I'm going to have a lot of content on there. Uh, Doing a special with them, too. Because I did a special with Netflix like a year ago, uh, called Jokes. And this one is way wilder material that I'd be way too scared to do on Netflix. So coming out Thanksgiving, because what what else could you be thankful for if not me yelling about trans people? With Netflix, with Netflix, you do an hour, I feel like every three years or so. But OFTV, this is like, I don't know, I think it's going to be like 45 minutes. I want to bring back like the half hour special. We get in, we bang, we get out. OFTV, out over Thanksgiving. So you have something to watch when you're hiding in a bathroom from your alcoholic uncle. A couple other things that I would like to talk about now that I have some bandwidth back. I did something wild this weekend, Pat. I went to a mall and I learned that America is over. It's done. We had a good run. Adios. I did figure out why men can't stop talking about the fall of Rome because as a society, we are in a free fall. As a country and as a species, frankly, I walked through a Bloomingdale's that had four security guards guarding six-inch stiletto heels no one can afford. Why is anyone even still selling $800 shoes? Didn't Jessica Simpson handle this? Like, she started making $80 stiletto heels in the Wuhan lab in 2004. Okay, I wore those heels into the ground. They got me through Wendy Williams. They got me 
They got me through a weird date at a Renaissance festival, like $800 heels. Like what people are dying of Oxycontin overdoses in the streets and selling their buttholes to OnlyFans, not TV, not OFTV. And these stores are selling $800 satin pumps with jewels on them. It, Prince is already dead. His funeral's over. You weren't invited. Where? Who's wearing these shoes for where for? What? I, okay, with knowing how much people are struggling financially and then looking at this weird buffet of diamond shoes, I think it's official. We are in a simulation. I've decided, and it is run by Siegfried and Roy. They're fighting over the remote, and ultimately the tiger who ate the shorter one is just chewing on the remote. That's the only thing I can think about. The tiger thinks the remote is Roy's head. I don't know. But it was very educational to see this mall, this this museum of horrors up close, because now I I get it now. This is why men can't stop doing CrossFit and learning how to be high-performer optimizers and reading stoicism, which is like Walmart wisdom. They're preparing for the inevitable war. We will all soon be fighting at our local Bloomingdale's buck naked, wearing only Taylor Swift bracelets. <laughs> okay. I'm de- the mall, a mall. It's the best representative of a country's overall health. And right now, the United States has AIDS. You know, you know when I knew something was afoot is when I found parking right away. Not a good sign. Okay. So I needed socks for my special, which by the way, shoes are on the first floor, socks on the third floor. This is why the internet won, you guys. What kind of asshole didn't catch that mistake? Like, (laughs) hey, Glenn, where should we put the socks? As far from the shoes as possible, Ron. Why would we do that, Glenn? Because we hate our customers, Ron. You know this. Like, And they're dealing with thefts and people coming in and looting the stores, putting the most valuable shit on the third floor and socks on the first floor. Like, do I need to run every business? I honestly feel like I just need to run everything at this point. I, I don't, why do I have better ideas than you guys? <laughs> How bad has capitalism become in America? Why does no one ask me about this? I'm not saying 9-11 was an inside job, but putting the $600 shoes and $5,000 purses right by the ground floor in a city where homeless people go from store to store on roller skates, yielding swords, feels a little bit like you're asking for it, sweetheart. Take off that mini skirt, Bloomingdale's. <laughs> I don't in LA. So there have been these groups of men robbing department stores. Have you seen these videos? Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. I cannot tell if these videos are real or a TikTok challenge. It feels staged to me personally. Like if you watch the videos, it just it's a little choreographed. Like even the burglars in LA are failed actors. Like they all went to theater school. So instead of listening to like eight mile to pump themselves up to rob the mall, they have earbuds in playing Dear Evan Hansen. Like, you, it didn't look like these, like, hard-ass, like, street thugs at all. It felt like like a flash mob, but someone started the song in the wrong place, and everyone's, like, trying to catch up, you know? It's like, they're all bumping heads like cartoon burglars. Like, in the video, you see them grabbing a bag, rushing out. All the purses are tied to the shelves. Like, this is the best advertisement for those fentanyl testing strips I've ever seen. Like, hey, burglars, test your cocaine first so you remember to bring your pocket knife to the robbery, you dork. Like, <laughs> okay. The point I'm trying to make is that going to the mall made me realize we're donezo as a society. The mall is the heart of America, American capitalism. Where, where we all, remember, we all went to the mall to hang out, to get some froyo. 
watch kids get stuck in escalators, get migraines from the smell of perfume, buy a bunch of shit we didn't need, throw some pennies in the fountain, the good old days. Okay, there's no pennies in the fountain anymore. That's how bleak it's gotten. They've all been fished out by the people who used to be middle class and they now have to do Postmates on the side and deliver tampons to trans men in LA. Okay? The mall was a ghost town. It was like a museum of capitalism's past. It was like a couple stores were open, but now it's all businesses that only exist to be filmed for social media. There's like, there's a store that's like a photo studio to take photos for your Instagram. There's an ear piercing kiosk that didn't even seem licensed. It was just like a guy sitting on a cooler with a coat hanger. Like there's like a mini amusement park. These little stations, like a Velcro wall and like a weird bungee jump station. And it's it's now just like basically a big content farm that smells like Bath and Body Works. It was so depressing. The people who were at the mall were the literally only people that were like in a jam, like myself, like someone who needed something fast, like Amazon same day delivery, not fast enough. Like these were people that make such bad decisions. They had to like run to the mall. It was like the same people who buy luggage at the airport, same Basically, malls now are airport luggage stores. Anyone who was there, it was like dads who forgot their daughter's birthdays, women that just got booty called and need a strapless bra and a fake nose ring fast. I saw a couple people that seemed like they were on a date, but it was so obvious that that's where you go to take your mistress and not run into anyone that you know. You know, I just want, I literally wanted to say, because you see this girl with this guy, I wanted to be like, hey, bitch. <laughs> malls are basically witness protection at this point. Like, he's married. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> You know what was open? Aldo. Aldo, man. No matter what happens to the economy, recently divorced gold diggers will always need a knee-high brown leather boot for pumpkin spice latte season. This is this is it. This is the boot that's gonna fix everything. I just need new boots. He's if I just he's gonna call if I just get these new boots. I, I can get sober if I I just get these boots. <laughs> Even though the blisters they gave me are gonna make me need. 500 milligrams of Oxycontin a day. This is this is going to get me sober. This is it. <laughs> Aldo, man. <laughs> Trusty Aldo. Things Remembered. The Things Remembered store was closed. People aren't even engraving anymore. There's officially <laughs> no more moments worth being remembered. <sighs> Rest in peace, malls, man. Although, you know what I did see? I did see an Amazon pickup station. Like an Am... You order it on Amazon, then you pick it up. So Amazon just basically made every store go out of business. Then Bezos was like, <laughs> here's how I'll piss on your grave. <laughs> then Bezos was like, you know what I'm going to do to make even more money? I'm going to invent the store. <laughs> like you fucking asshole. He just made every store go away. And he's like, you know, what's a good idea. A store. <laughs> Another depressing news. I was right. I was right about something. I'm, I know. I know. I know this is going to be hard on you guys. I'm not saying I told you so, okay? Not saying I told you so, but I did. I made fun of the movie Sound of Freedom. Not <laughs> the subject matter or the movie. Dead serious. Important to, I guess, see. I, nothing's more important than stopping child trafficking. Can't think of one thing, okay? But I just facetiously pointed out that child acting is also something I don't want to see kids do. It weirds me out. That's all I was saying. And some people took it as me being against the movie Sound of Freedom. I'm against sex trafficking and child acting. Is that, a, can I hate both? Like who's against child sex trafficking, but it was like, ah, oh, yeah, but I love seeing a toddler give a dramatic monologue. <laughs> like 
So I knew there was something weird about this movie. The guy who made the movie, the Sound of Freedom guy, I knew there was some fishy man. Something just didn't add up about this guy. That's all. Okay. First, I will say, it was weird, is weird, that Hollywood didn't embrace this movie. No distributors would pick it up or something. It's weird regardless. Like, even if they did know something we didn't know about this guy, about the allegations that he has or whatever, like, it's still weird that Hollywood didn't pick it up. I mean, if Hollywood didn't support movies made by creeps, we'd have, like, two movies. So I think, actually, the more interesting thing about Hollywood and Sound of Freedom is the conversation about how these days people in Hollywood conflate Christianity with alt-right QAnon. Like, they just assume if you're a Christian, you must be QAnon or something. You can't you can't love the Lord <laughs> and not also think Hollywood eats babies at a pizza parlor, which maybe they do. I don't know. I don't get these invites. No one's invited me to get pizza or eat babies. Like, I don't, I'm not in that circle, I guess, but... Also, Jim Caviezel played Jesus in a movie. I think it was actually more Christianity phobic than anything. Because remember, he played Jesus. Like, they associated with Mel Gibson. Hollywood people don't, it's like they don't cast actors because they're like, oh, should we cast this actor to play a lawyer? Like, Patrick Dempsey, should he play a lawyer? They're like, yeah, but he played a doctor for eight years. Like, that's how people, (laughs) like, that's how dumb Hollywood is. So I, that's what that, I don't know. But, but also, the idea that people are like, well, Hollywood's a bunch of pedophiles, which is why they didn't pick up the movie. I don't know. If you're really a pedophile, wouldn't you be the first person who'd be like, yes, we need this movie to stop pedophilia, to throw everyone off? I, I don't know. I I don't think if you, I don't think if you're a pedophile, you want to say no to the anti-sex trafficking movie. You know what I mean? It's too obvious a move. I think if you're going to be a creep, you support the movie, right? Or better yet, you make the movie. Aha. Was right there the whole time. Perfect cover. The call's coming from inside the house. I knew it. Okay. So the allegations, alleged allegations, I don't know, is he had women. Tim Ballard is his name. He's the guy that the movie's based on. Which, by the way, even if the guy's a creep, the movie's important. Like, just, I I can separate the art and the artist. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And this guy was a con artist. That's a type of art. So the accusation is that he had women pretend to be his wife to do some, to be a charlatan, to save the kids. And then he'd say to the girls that signed up, like, hey, so baby doll, how much you want to save these kids? <laughs> well, I'm going to need you two to shower together. That's how we get the kids out. <laughs> which is like, <laughs> which like, honestly, that is a small price to pay to save some kids. But I don't think, I don't think that's how it worked. Like if someone said, hey, you can save five kids from being trafficked by showering with this other woman, Rub-a-dub-dub, bitch. I'll shave a stranger's pubes if it saves a kid. But I don't think this was the necessary part of the plan. It's a problem. I mean, I'm not going to say I called it, but the guy, the guy's story never added up. Like, I, I know people exaggerate. People get nervous. They forget their story. They embellish. Whatever. Like, every time I talk about my childhood, I'm sure it sounds like a wildly different version of the story. Like, we get bored of our own stories. We start punching stuff up. I don't know. Maybe if you're saving kids from sex trafficking, you want the person to be a liar. I was like, maybe this is good. If he, What if he needs to pretend to be a Russian or Armenian or disguise himself? And, you know, he, we want him to be good. I hope, you're, I hope you have no problem lying and you do what you have to do. I personally want my sex trafficking hero to be a psychopath, right? The thing that's weirder to me than the lying, I don't even know if I care about that, is that it felt like he was trying to be famous, didn't it? Like... Why is the guy who saved all the kids from being trafficked 
eating chicken wings on hot ones. Like, go save more kids if you know where they are. Like, why do you have a publicist pitching you to go on Barstool Sports? Like, you're the one telling us that there's thousands more kids in danger. But where where are they? Well, you're in hair and makeup on the talk. Like, can you tell us where the kids are and we can go save them while you talk to Joy Behar about how much of a hero <laughs> you are? Like, I've done the view, okay? I've, I've done the talk. I've done the view. I've done the chat. I've done the gab and the goss and all the shows. They don't move the needle these days, okay? So how about you go do that, fine, if you need to go on the talk shows, and tell us where the who I need to shower with to get these kids out because you seem to be the only person that knows, and you're too busy. Like, where do where do I sign up to help? This is my issue with the sex trafficking movie. Like, nowhere in his talk show interviews is he like, everyone go to the intersection in, of the 5th and Main Street in Syria and block this tunnel. Like, where's the action items, you know? He's like, hey, buy my book and check me out tomorrow on Don Lemon. I'm like, that's going to fix it? I don't, how do we stop it? Nowhere in his Drew Barrymore appearance did he say how we can all stop Sex trafficking. Do I have to go through your publicist? Is it is it in the show notes of the Rob Lowe podcast you were on? Like, it's just, <laughs> maybe I'll run into you at the Vanity Fair party. You can tell me there after you finish your conversation with Kevin Spacey about playing you in your next movie. Like, I, my main question, why does everyone have a publicist? I don't, don't trust anyone who's not an actor who pays someone to make them more famous, okay? Real G's move in silence like lasagna. We've been over this. The only guy we have infiltrating the sex trafficking rings anonymously is now a household name because he hired Megan Rapone's publicist. Great. So now the sex traffickers see him coming a mile away because he was just on the one of the 50 most beautiful people. <laughs> what do Tim Ballard, Elizabeth Holmes, and Meghan Markle have in common? They all have publicists. They all paid... Hollywood ladies in Aldo Boots, $7,000 a month to get their book on the front table at Barnes & Noble. Like, if you're such a hero, why do you need a Hollywood person pitching you to popsugar.com for an interview? Why, Pat? I'm afraid it's because of where we live. <laughs> Which is where? Hell. <laughs> we live in hell. That's why. The fact that you internet folks bullied me into <laughs> taking my clip down. Why I oughta, dude. I actually took a clip down about, it's not Song of Freedom. I keep calling it Song of Freedom. About Sound of Freedom and the child actors. Because you guys gave me so much shit for it. You guys were like, why are you not supporting the sex trafficking movie? I did. If you listened to the episode of the podcast, you would see how much I supported it. I just posted a clip saying it's weird to me that a sex trafficking movie about saving kids has child actors. You know I'm against child acting. I was just pointing out that if the production is so committed to ending child abuse, maybe also get the toddlers out of the movie where they have to sit in hair and makeup all day and then play sex trafficking victims in Burbank when they should be doing normal things at school, like getting confused about which gender they are. People are like, why are you supporting the movie? Cause I'm not a movie theater. I don't, I don't, I just said, I think it would be better if the movie had used CGI kids or midgets. I think that's a reasonable take. Also, if you got mad at me for that, 
you know nothing about me and you've never seen this podcast. If you knew anything about me, you would know that I bring up Shirley Temple every chance I get. And that my main goal in life is to get justice for Shirley. This is, I work in a business that was built on the back of a four-year-old tot named Shirley Temple who danced on men's laps in movies when they were soldiers at war and on ships sailing wherever groups of men used to sail back then, the Orient, I don't know. No mom in sight, no nanny, just little Shirley with her dimples doing a two-step in a sexy mini dress on grown men in cardigans for the pictures. So, <sighs> thanks for letting me get out, get that out. Appreciate it. I think ever oh in the comments, I was like, Disney passed on making the sound of freedom. Okay, all right. I don't work for Disney. I just, I just, I just had a joke in my special that I just shot about the Disney castles being made of dicks. So, whose side are you on? Next time I go to Disneyland, I'm gonna get poisoned. They're gonna poison my turkey leg. I mean. I might just mysteriously disappear the next time I go to Space Mountain. Like, I, there's no way you can make fun of Disney castles being made of dicks and not just have a dart hit you in the neck shaped like a dick. I'll also, I don't know if the Disney castles are made of dicks. I'm not, I, <laughs> you can definitely see dick shapes in a lot of the castles and stuff in Disney movies, but I feel like that's more that Walt didn't treat his employees well. And that's what happens when you don't treat your employees well. You can't under, do not underpay an animator, dude. They will make Snow White's bow on her dress a throbbing erect penis pointing right at her face. <laughs> like, oh, really? You're not going to pay me that overtime? Great. The Little Mermaid's shell bra is going to be a set of balls. And her braid's going to be a mega cock that looks like it's going into her mouth when she sings. Ah, Ariel. <laughs> dude, pay your animators. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> They say giving birth is the equivalent to running a marathon. Well, maybe the Boston Marathon, the year that it was bombed. But what about being pregnant and building a company from scratch? Willist taking on the vitamin aisle. That is the story of Ritual's founder, Kat Schneider, who started Ritual because she could not find a prenatal that she trusted. Here it is. Now, look, I'm currently pregnant. And imagine my surprise when I was told that many prenatal vitamins have dyes. They're chock full of microplastics. They don't even have the actual vitamin in the pill half the time. They don't absorb in your gut properly. Some of them are made out of rubble from Chernobyl. I mean, you name it, these creeps will put it in a prenatal. There's nothing more important than what you're putting in your body when you're making a tiny human. I mean, you decided to bring them into this world. Well, maybe you didn't, but some people who are surprises, that's what my mom called me, are the best people, okay? Because they know they have to be extra useful in order to not be resented, okay? So the, I was saying, you chose to have a baby. Now it's time to start being the best parent you can be by making sure that your little zygote, your little fetus, they develop their little body and their little brains properly. I mean, look, I know our moms like smoked when they were pregnant and they drank and they drank fluoride water and they did speed and... And look, look what people always say that as if we turned out great, you know, and people are like, well, my mom smoked. I'm like, yeah, you're a mess. <laughs> They're like, well, my mom did speed when I was pregnant. I'm like, yeah, look, yeah, you're a maniac, dude. We're a bunch of anxious messes, but we're going to break the cycle right now, today with ritual prenatal vitamins. Ritual is a prenatal vitamin 
made traceable with vegan, bioavailable, and clinically studied key nutrients for before and during pregnancy. High quality formulation with nature identical choline and clinically studied methylated folate to support a baby's neural tube development before and during pregnancy. I don't think mine was ever developed in utero. So I've been taking these and making up for lost time. <laughs> it has 350 milligrams of vegan sustainably sourced omega-3 DHA to support baby's brain development during pregnancy. I was recently told by a very smart scientist that it is just as important as folic acid, the omega-3 DHA. Their citrus or mint essence capsules are designed to be gentle on the stomach so that you can take them when you want with or without food. Non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, and of course, vegan. You'll always know where your nutrients come from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. Why settle for a multivitamin that you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it is the real deal. Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash Whitney to start Ritual or add Essential for Women prenatal to your subscription today. I've been taking these for a long time. It's the only reason I'm not bald. Now that we're demonetized for sure, I'd like to introduce the guest we have on today. I'm sure she's thrilled that this is the episode that I put her on. <laughs> Nadia Tolakonikova. I said that right. That was wild. Um, you know her from Pussy Riot. She's a total badass. Spent time in a Russian prison. Has spent her life coming after Vladimir Putin. Okay. I just thought I was brave for coming after Disney and the sound of freedom and Topanga Westfield Mall. <laughs> but this bitch is brave for real. She is a just Russian assassin. You're going to love her. Enjoy. Nadia Tolokonikova of Pussy Riot. Can we even say Pussy Riot? You just did. We live in hell. So I was just telling him, like, I wondered um, why so many people just do curtains for their podcasts. It's just like, purely Joe Rogan or yeah 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 it's, I guess yeah I think that curtains is a background of a podcast that's a good question Pat why are they all curtains archaeology okay. of yeah. curtains yeah like I feel like it's it's probably just like affordable that's what we did at first it is affordable but there's some I I think people think podcasts are a certain thing yeah they're really talk shows yeah and when they were audio only, there was no need to do sets. Yeah. And then when they added cameras, they right. just added cameras to whatever was going on. And then on. they all looked like weird high school magic so they shows. Think it's a thing, but it's they just oh, never right. turned it into yeah. a talk Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So curtains are good for sound. So it's that's a, why curtains. Yes. Yeah. It holds like the audio in. It's like good for soundproofing. Mm -hmm. But then you kind of just look like a, you know, weird to catch a predator set at the it, end of the it day. Is a, it is a weird set. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you brought up your partner that you're <laughs> dating because I'm so curious. Like, is it hard for you to date? Are you intimidating to men? Are they weird about how much of a badass you are? Uh, some people are intimidated, but it's not it's not a giant problem for me, honestly. If, if they're intimidated, it's their problem, not mine. Then so what does that mean for me? Because I was going through life being like, no, they're just intimidated. But you're so much stronger than me and you don't have a problem. So this is destroying my entire paradigm. Do, do you have a problem? I, I, yeah, I have a couple. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I have one. Wouldn't that be nice to be like, I have a problem. Um, no, I'm a hoarder, uh, even when it comes to problems. But no, I mean, I feel like just as a as a female stand-up comedian, I get a lot of people that are like, oh, guys are intimidated to date you. That's why guys don't ask you out, whatever, whatever. Mm. But maybe that's just what they tell me to did get you, me to stop crying. Did you ever ask them what, what went behind this thought process? Like what, what exactly makes them scared did you talk to them this is interesting because i've had a couple guys tell me i was intimidated because i felt like you made more money than me mm -hmm. which i appreciated the honesty i did appreciate the honesty um and it's annoying you know but you know podcasting is down you guys don't worry <laughs> you're not making any more money than me it's all dried up um i did appreciate the honesty but i get it i mean i guess there's certain things as women that we have like a biological you know, uh, deter us. Like, I'm not this person anymore, but I used to be very shallow about height. I used to be like, I can only mm. date a guy that's taller than me. I can only date a guy who's bigger than me. I had like eating disorders, whatever. Maybe that was my way of like feeling smaller. I don't know, a guy bigger than me, but now I don't have that anymore. Um, like we have that shallowness too, but it's more like girls are like, I'm not into bald guys. I'm not into short guys. And then, so if a guy's like, I'm not into a girl that makes more money than me, like, fine you have the so right it's mostly economical issue with you right i mean i guess you have a good problem <laughs> yeah it has nothing to do with my personality <laughs> nothing zero so um i mean i guess they they're scared that you're going to be smarter than them or what or they, mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to maintain a conversation with you i think a lot of guys and i'm gonna generalize but i think that a big thing for guys is not being made fun of Mm. And I think they're afraid I'll make fun of them on stage or like embarrass them or something when I'm like right. too busy talking about myself, you guys. I'm not going to talk about you. Uh, but I feel like that is part of it, too. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of people come to relationships with um, too many stereotypes. And mm -hmm. well, if you didn't, if you personally didn't make them um, laugh at and uncomfortable, what it, um, what is the reason to be afraid of that? Yeah. Um, I've tried to ask a couple of guys who um, who were just in limbo of like kind of want want to fuck me but can't, uh, and just like what what is it what's the issue? And I never got um, a, a solid answer. So I guess <laughs> so you know by saying that it's not a problem for me, it's funny for me. It's really really amusing, uh, but it's it's not. It's not something that I consider as a, as a problem because I can just go reach out to someone else who's not who's not afraid. Do you mean like you're texting with a guy or like he's flirting, but it just didn't go to the next level or like he didn't make mm -hmm. a move and you're like, what's going on? No, options be, um, I mean, we could be in the bed and um, they're afraid uh, or... Um, afraid? They're afraid. Yeah, they're, they're, they're afraid of me. Or, or then um, sometimes... Um, we would fuck, and then uh, for the follow-ups, it's um, they're kind of like you. They, they tell me that I'm intimidate, intimidating, and I'm like, "What does it mean?" And then now I need to know how you have sex. <laughs> Afterwards, they were like, "That was scary." Well, um, there is a honestly, big... I'm pretty vanilla. <laughs> I'm. I know that's what I'm... terrifying. That's even <laughs> scarier. You'd be like, I have to be missionary on my back or else the poison will fall out of my mouth that I'm trying to inject into your mouth. I mean, it's my interpretation of vanilla. So I I live in the BDSM world. So it's like, it's not vanilla of like what normal people think vanilla is, it's I guess. It's vanilla BDSM. Yeah. 
You're like, my harnesses are pleather, they're not pink. leather. They're pink. <laughs> they're pink and uh, covered with uh, fake fur. <laughs> uh, my edible panties do not have fentanyl in them. Okay. I am no. pretty normcore. <laughs> So, okay, I have a billion <laughs> questions now. Okay, so they're, you think they're scared because they already know that they're entering into a BDSM situation and that you might be more gnarly than them? Because one thing I will say is there's a long history, as I'm sure you know, mm -hmm. of in American movies, all Russian women just being assassins. Yeah, kind of. Um, they, I don't know, they... They wanted even me to play um, a character in one of those movies, but I'm a terrible actress, so it didn't work out. I mean, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, I was just standing in front of the camera being like, <laughs> this is my acting. I mean, that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> I'm in. But what do you think that is? Why do you think that in American movies, I mean, American movies have done this with many things. Like it's now coming out that sharks actually aren't that dangerous and they don't really like to attack humans. They only Sometimes want a shark just ate a Russian recently i so kind of feel helped. like that was a putin shark <laughs> i feel like can i take a look at that shark close up if that feels like why putin though don't i mean aren't there's a couple they um, talked to russian tourists there's somewhere. a couple conspiracy theories about like fake sharks that are actually submarines that mm -hmm. go to like spy and also to do fake shark attacks to get tourism out of certain areas mm. uh, tell me about the shark attack in russia it wasn't in Russia, I feel like it was in, and uh, I don't remember exactly the country, but it was one of the countries where a lot of Russians still can go on vacation. So perhaps Egypt, maybe Turkey, um, and a shark um, have eaten a Russian person. Um, and I was recently performing at a festival in Australia where, and I was exactly at the beach where um, a shark eaten a surfer a few years ago. So... I was getting into water and thinking about getting bit by shark. It wasn't cute. I think it's still happening. <laughs> I have never had the need to go into the ocean. It feels like it's someone else's home. It mm -hmm. feels like if I was a shark or uh, what the orcas are doing right now, they're kind of like, can you guys just stay out of here? Like, you guys have enough land. You have enough things to you see. Just don't swim in the ocean. I don't. I'm good. Mm. I'm go I don't look at the ocean. I'm like, I need to be in there. I like to be smashed by a wave. You like to be smashed I by a wave. Be, yeah, I, I'm so submissive with waves. It's insane. Okay, so, <laughs> so that's your king, just having being dominated by. Yeah, just rolling around and facing the dirt. It's very humbling. It is very humbling. <laughs> but yeah, no, that bothers. It annoys me. when you go into a o ocean wave. It's and then you come out like your bikinis down and your ankles. You're like, this is humiliating. Like I, I just, I love that. <laughs> I don't want to be assaulted by the yeah, ocean. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of chemicals in there now. Like the mm. sea lions are starting to just like bite people's faces off and stuff. It just seems like I, I'm good. You, there's no Fair. visibility. <laughs> I don't need to go skydiving. I don't need to go up in the air and I don't need to go down below where there's no oxygen. It's just like never appealed to me. Mm -hmm. Like there's enough entertaining stuff. Like yeah, I don't like to. I don't like diving or skydiving. I almost done it once, uh, just because I promised it um, to a stupid guy I liked. Um, and and then is that BDSM? You're gonna go skydiving for me <laughs> as my sub. And then I'm it like, didn't I'm work. <laughs> well, the weather didn't work out, and then um, he got intimidated to see me another time. So. 
uh, skydiving didn't work out for me. <laughs> How do you know when you start flirting with someone that they're going to be compatible as a BDSM partner? Or do you meet them in an environment where that's already known? Mm, well, I mean, I, I don't, I say I do live in a BDSM world in a sense that professionally I, I live in it. So I do art that is um derives its inspiration a lot from the BDSM world. And also my own defense um, is really revolves around this um, a, a figure of a, a dominant woman, a dominatrix. So this is my role there. I'm an educator, I'm a, I'm a dominatrix um, who teaches people about consent, like mostly men, because women, for the most part, at least those women who come to my page, they already thought about consent. So you don't have to really teach them about that. But men, one once in a while, you have to. So it's mostly my professional life. In my personal life, I don't. Um, I'm too lazy to actually be uh, like actively involved in <laughs> in the scene. Yeah. So it's sometimes it happens, and like I'm just I'm being happy enough to meet someone who uh, who is a kinky slut. And then, then it just works out. And if they're not, well, they have some other cool features. Well, what do you mean? Like the guy's a kinky slut? Or girls. I mean, they, sometimes you meet partners who happen to be kinky sluts. I want to cool. be in the BDSM world just so I can say slut again. <laughs> I feel like the, it's the only place you guys get to still say slut and whore. And it's like a compliment. It's Okay, you can yeah. say Okay, we can't on YouTube, <laughs> but we can in the BDSM worlds. This show is brought to you by Dreamland Baby, which I have to be honest with you, I am so starstruck by this Dreamland Baby sleep sack, which I am wearing right now. If you're not listening, you can't see the fact that I have one on my chest at this very moment. So Dreamland Baby makes a sleep sack, a weighted sleep sack for babies to make them sleep better. Guess where it's from, Pat? This is a Shark Tank item. I saw it on Shark Tank and then I discovered Dreamland baby sacks. I didn't know that they went into production. I think it was on Instagram or TikTok because all these moms were saying that the Dreamland baby sleep sack saved them and is the only reason they're not divorced. They're lightly weighted mini sleeping bags for your baby that help induce a deeper sleep for your baby. Look how cute these are. Okay, because when baby sleeps, everybody sleeps. I mean, these are so easy to use. Even a female comedian can figure it out. And look right where the zipper is. It has a little cover on it so that it doesn't catch your baby's skin or anything. It is the softest thing I've ever touched. They use cover calm technology. It evenly distributes the weight in the sleep sack from the shoulders to the toes. What didn't they think of? Okay, also, these are even tagless to avoid irritation for your little baby. I gifted a baby, um, one of these Dreamland baby sleep sacks to my friend Nicole for her baby. She left me a voice memo, Pat, sobbing. She was thanking me because her baby fell asleep and slept for six hours straight. It was the first time her baby had ever slept that long. And no waking up, no crying. And now her and her husband don't have to get a divorce. Thanks, Dreamland baby. <laughs> I can't wait to use these in two months when my baby is born. And I can't wait to be that jerk at parties who's like, my baby sleeps great. My baby sleeps 10 hours a night. By the way, I also sleep with a weighted blanket. So even if my baby did wake up because I didn't have the Dreamland baby sleep sack, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed anyway. Everyone's like, you have to get up every hour for your baby. I'm like, I sleep with a weighted blanket. It takes me like 10 minutes to get out of bed. <laughs>
Oh, so I love this product. It was made by a mom who could not get her six month old to sleep. I'm sorry that happened to you, girl, but also kind of glad it happened because we got Dreamland Baby Sleep Sacks. Also, the colors are so adorable. Go to dreamlandbabyco.com and enter my code Whitney at checkout to receive 20% off site-wide and free shipping. This offer is for new and existing customers. I wish they made these for adults. Dreamland adult, anyone? Call Shark Tank. So where do you think this came from? Like, do you feel like sexually this was always something or after becoming famous and doing some really risky, dangerous things? Like, was it a way to sort of get control or restore a power dynamic or? I was thinking for a second, you're asking me about history of BDSM and actually it would be so interesting to dive into it. I Ooh. never actually. The history of deeper. BDSM. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of tetanus involved. I really want to learn more. Um, but personally, um, well, I was growing up as a very incredibly shy person. Mm. Then um, I had my first partner when I was 17. And then it's the person with who I had a baby. And then I was married with him um, for a number of years, eight years, I believe. So he's the father of my kid, and so the uh, got my second sexual partner when I was twenty five. Wow! So I don't have a wild um, history when I was uh, in my youngest years, and then um, I think I started to explore the BDSM world from from the point of uh, just intellectual curiosity. But it's I mean it's like it's also interesting on the essential level obviously it's like you know you read a cool novel right 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 now i'm rereading Anna Karenina by Tolstoy and me too it's it's very sensual yeah and so this is the, the same way i feel about Tolstoy i feel about BGSM it's irrational but also sensual and so for me it was an in interesting um power play that taught people that roles that we are used to for hundreds of whatever um thousands of years are not necessary and then you know you want to dive back in history being just like oh there were these prehistoric societies with women running everything or um at least um some part of the um society was a dominion uh, that belonged to women um, and it wasn't just uh, domestic labor. They were high priestesses. Um, they were divine beings who gave birth. I mean, they still are, mm -hmm. but it's just not being appreciated as much in, in our culture. So I feel like this power play that happens in, within um, BDSM world is really useful for a lot of men. And like my biggest problem with movies like Fifty Shades of Grey is they play uh, to the old paradigm of men being a dominator mm -hmm. and a woman being submissive. It's like totally fine if people are really into that. Yeah. But you know, when you put something on a big screen, you send a certain message to the world. Although I feel like if that movie could never happen if the guy wasn't rich. Like he would have to have a helicopter. That's and, even worse. And I, I, exactly, and be that handsome. Like if it was like a broke guy in a studio apartment with roommates, that would be an episode of CSI. 
Like I it's would, basically saying if you're like rich, you can basically just like <laughs> you, like put ball gags in women <laughs> as long as they're poor. <laughs> but I do see I never I always thought that was odd because she was in, you know, she was like this broke journalist or something. And mm-hmm. he was like on this pedestal and he was already so powerful. Like, why do you have to, you know, yeah. But I think as someone that I in my work life, I'm very alpha and I find myself, you know, in relationships like, you know, intimate wise, I love someone that just takes charge and dominates because I'm yeah. like that. It just kind of like, you know, during sex, if I'm the person that has to like call, I'm like, I have to do this all day. Like, why do I now have to do this now? Can you please? And it kind of like helps equal out the power. And I, I don't want to decide and rule all the time. That's yeah. And boring. I, can't, I don't I can't I can't get I don't I can't show up with props like carrot top. I got the ball gag. Can you just do the props, please? Mm-hmm. Can I just like have the night off? You know, and it's interesting because I feel like um, uh, have you ever been to the Renaissance Festival? in america no it's this festival where a bunch of people go and like celebrate the renaissance like Mm -hmm. and they you know from 400 years ago they're with their wenches and they're wearing these super traditional like milkmaid outfits and the men are knights oh wait my friend i think just went there was it a month or a couple of months ago there was one recently and there's some a lot of people go they get very deep into the cosplay of it and they're speaking in the you know the the renaissance accents and they're all like you know, I've got the braids and the men are knights uh-huh. and, you know, and there's something kind of like, I guess, calming about the gender roles of it. I think that's part of the reason people like to go. The men get to have swords mm-hmm. and they get to protect the women and the women get to be these like vulnerable wenches. And then they go back to their job <laughs> as a lawyer on Monday. But like just for a little while, they just get to be these like powerless little ninnies. And then the guys that don't have power in their job get to show up and be the mm-hmm. heroes and the pirates. You know, it's like kind of it was like really interesting to see how deeply people got into it. And I was trying to figure out like what they were getting out of it emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's like people are signing up to be unequal. <laughs> because do they do they ever reverse the roles? I guess yeah. Well, yes, in because, California. And there's a <laughs> exactly. everyone's also trans, so it's impossible <laughs> to tell. Um, yeah, it could have been Pride Week. Maybe that wasn't even the Renaissance Fair. Maybe that was just a elementary school in Santa Monica, California. I don't know. My good friend Dorian Electra, um, they are amazing gender bending pop star. Um, they I feel like derive their um visual inspiration a lot from from renaissance era and they play different characters all the time like d- d- different genders mm. um so i feel like that that spin of it definitely exists yeah. <laughs> and it is in renaissance festival they have a queen ultimately and all the you know and men the, and the didn't it, all of them were wigs like men wore yeah. long men wore way more and makeup men were in drag yeah men were wearing high heels and wigs um, i mean that's always so hot i know <laughs> <laughs> so when you talk about being a dominatrix, like, how do you get, how do you start there? Like, how do you get into that? So I was getting into um, that I came there intellectually, but th- this is my problem generally. So I'm really disconnected with my body. I started, to, I grew up in a really frozen city in the eyes of the world. Um, so I, I wasn't able to get out in the street, run around and do what normal kids would May do. I ask, was that because it was so cold or I was reading in your book about how there was like chemicals in the air? Yeah, it was really, really polluted. Um, so I'm just like, frozen every single meaning of this. I mean, you look word. amazing. Maybe you're embalmed from all the chemicals. Maybe Cry, it's... Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was free, uh, cool sculpting. <laughs> um, and so 
I guess like pretty much everything that I do in my life first comes to me as an intellectual idea and then I'm like, oh, it also feels nice physically. So this is how I got interested uh, in becoming a dominatrix. I feel like for the first time it happened perhaps, um, I don't know, 15 years ago, I just like saw, I was, it was around the same time when I, I started to think about creating pussy, right? And um, I, I looked at this amazing picture of uh, imaginary society where women dominate men, not the other way around. And I was like, well, this is a, an amazing intellectual exercise and it's completely harmless. I know a lot of people would hate me for this, but if it was just said, they'll be like, oh, you're just reverse, it's reverse sexism. But no, there's plenty. Matriarchies exist in a lot of species, you know, lions, jacana birds, bees, um, orcas and lions are all matriarchies. It's not that weird of an idea. Mm -hmm. Plus, I feel like when you engaged in this role play, I mean, what I love about BGSM is just like it's it's one of the rules you're aware. Uh, I mean, you call it a scene. It's it's a place like you put a theater play and you just perform something that differs from your normal um, or just everyday behavior. And um, and I feel like the like fakeness of it or like performativity, like explicit performativity element of it really teaches you a lot about and, and flexibility of your roles, whether it's gender roles or social, like whatever, your roles in everyday life and the way how you can bend them to your will or uh, to, to to whatever you like, you prefer, or whatever is comfortable to people around you. So um, I got fascinated by the concept of um, putting this uh, image of a metrical society in art, and then, and then I ended up in jail and was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't really have time to develop it, right? So. I got back to it just in around eight Jail years. Jail is hardcore BDSM. <laughs> it was pretty metrical. Not, I mean, like you always learn a lot about the way how um, women um, and our connections with each other were distorted by patriarchy. Mm. Because what I learned in jail is we mostly, and it's like, I know any generalization is, um, is wrong um, sometimes, but generally we still feel like the power comes from men so we i mean female solidarity especially under harsh conditions such as prison does not always um show itself so we would rather fight for the approval of a male prison warden than to um, build a network mm. of resistance and be just like no like this is our rights we're not going to be working 16 hours a day we would rather go one by one to this guy and hope to seek his approval. And that was really really hurtful. But it's not something inherent in our nature. It's just because for thousands of years, we were conditioned to seek our financial and like all sorts of other stability from men. Were you in solitary or were you with other people? In with prison? the other people for the most part. Did you ever talk about up, that with them? I did. Yeah, we talked explicitly with them and you have endless hours for conversations when you um so i was working in a factory and i had to show uh police and military uniforms and i had to perform one um or a couple of simple operations but because you have to make two 
hundred of them a day, it becomes really di- difficult and monotonous, and and you you have to do it really quick. Also, because you compete, I mean, you work in the same production line with people who spend, say, ten years in jail, so they're much better seamstresses than you are. But you have to keep up with them, and they don't give you any um, education um, on how to actually sew things. They just put it in front of a sewing machine and tell you so in three days. You have to figure out how to make it work. Otherwise, you're gonna make um, the whole unit suffer, um, and they will make you suffer. <laughs> so that is a way to turn inmates against each other right that yeah. and, and it works like i mean i you know it played does, basketball yeah. really seriously and they'd say if you don't make these free throws your whole team has to run these things called oh, no. suicide and and it's like and if you miss it everybody's all of a sudden mad at each other i never under i mean it is very motivating but i never understood because it always caused problems it does so <laughs> well um while i was working this long hours uh, i was chatting with other girls and it was always really upsetting to me that they would be uh, telling me that after getting out of jail, they would never work in a female collective ever again. It's they were like, "Oh, all all women are chickens." I'm like, "Are mm. you a chicken?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. um, and it's with any um social environment that is distorted by thousands of years of injustice and inequality you have this systemic problems that are being carried um out for you know generation after another not just by people who are technically in charge like men but also by us and we we keep you know the one thing that you brought up another thing is you know this syndrome of a strong woman that um i was suffering from when i was growing up which is I'm not like other women. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging out with men. My friends are men. I'm one of the guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you start to look. I mean, like you try to look like them and try to get accepted by men. So you don't pay any attention. You're so not. They won't even, kill me. <laughs> they. Um. Yeah. I, I'm part of the tribe. And then I feel like for me, uh, you know, like uh, pink handcuffs or pink whips or. Um, just embracing this, um, I mean, first, sex worker, second, dominatrix sex worker uh, type role is is very liberating in the sense that I'm embracing my femininity, femininity, but the strong version of femininity. And it's something that is in the core of the name of our art movement, Pussy Riot. So Pussy, we took something that most, of, I mean, like, you want to offend a person, you, talk, you call them Pussy. You want to tell that some, someone is weak, you say they're Pussy and Riot, the opposite yeah. of it. So, Which is, I remember Betty White said, like, calling someone a Pussy actually isn't an insult because Pussies can really take a pounding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they're actually very strong. <laughs> No, we're really strong. I mean, like, pussy is much stronger than a dick. <laughs> no, the dick, dick is in, dick, dick is rarely in shape. Uh-huh. And pussy is always ready. <laughs> what do you call a person who speaks three languages? Trilingual, right? Someone who speaks two, bilingual. Someone who speaks one, American. Am I right? Only 22% of Americans 
Speak a language other than English at home. That is so embarrassing. Start learning a new language this fall and be the exception, not the rule. Because with Babbel, you can start learning a new language in just three weeks. Why Babbel? Because it works. Silly goose. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. For instance, one study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. That's incredible. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are just basically games, let's be honest, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you see that on one hand I put two up? That as little as three weeks. <laughs> Oops. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. So I've recently started using Babbel because, first of all, I'm sick of being an ignorant, stupid idiot who can't speak Spanish. It's enough already. So my dear friend, also housekeeper, who I, she's not even really my housekeeper. I clean before she comes over. I just kind of pay her to be my friend at this point. <laughs> We've been together for almost 16 years. So I want her to help me raise my baby. That's basically, I've been just like keeping her around to be like, I'm going to have a baby at some point and I can't do it out without my husband, Leslie. So here's the problem though. She speaks Spanish. I don't want her teaching my kids Spanish and then them colluding against me. I don't need them having inside jokes, making fun of me. You know what I mean? So I need to learn Spanish pronto, vamanos, so that they can't overthrow me. Okay. So I learned this, for example, from Babel. Look at me. Watch. Por favor, toma a mi bebe. What does it mean? It means, please take my baby. <laughs> I feel like that's the main phrase I'm going to need to know in the next year or so. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then you heard that ding. That is the Babel ding telling you, you got it right. Thanks, Babs. I call Babbel Babs now. That's how tight we are. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is a real language learning tool for real conversations. Here is a special limited time offer for our listeners. If you get started right now, you're going to get 55% off. That's crazy. That's a crazy amount off. You're, that's loco off. Your Babbel subscription, you're going to get 55% off, but only for our listeners. So go to babbel.com slash Good for you. 55% off babble.com slash good for you. Spelled babble, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash good for you. Rules and restrictions may apply. Adios, amigos. It's interesting you said that about the, um, about being a guy's girl or whatever. And I think about it because, I mean, I'm in a very male dominated field and I'm like, I have a lot of guy friends and I think that a lot of it is not that I wouldn't be friends with them anyway, and they're not people that I really like, but I mm -hmm. think a big part of me surviving in my business was instantly making sure I had platonic friendships that weren't sexual with the guys in my business and making sure that we were just like boys so that I wasn't always like feeling like I was going to get flirted with or like there was any sexual tension. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to feel instantly like we were brother and sister just so at work I never had to like try to look pretty or to have a crush on anyone. Like, I just wanted to make it as, like, asexual as possible right away. It was some weird Darwinian, like, survival instinct. What to, did like, they if uh, they happen to have a crush on you? I My personality handles that pretty well. 
What do you do? I I haven't. I've really never had comics like ask me out or like weirdness. Like maybe in the very beginning because I was kind of like. Um, an idiot about when I like I was like, oh, I'm, we're just going to dinner. Right. And then I'd be like, oh, wait, I think this is a date. She oh, God, know. I do it all the time. Still, I go on dates by accident all the time. I'm like, I was like 22. And I was like, no, I'm this, in complete denial. No, I'm just going on a uh, like business meeting with this agent mm-hmm. at 8 p.m. at this expensive sushi restaurant. This is normal. Right. Like, I just like can't yeah. see it. And I don't know if it's like my self-esteem is so low. I'm like, this person would never want to date me or I just am trying to like ignore it so much that it just be- becomes true are you getting better at it but Do it's also it used to happen with you and it doesn't happen it anymore. Do, well it's also on guys to go would you like to go on a date mm-hmm. and they don't do that they'll just be like hey want to hang what are you doing later want to meet up want to yeah. and it's just like it's all so vague like for me i need a very explicit i think it's a good rule yeah and... like why are we on a hike i didn't know this was a date and yeah. like this is like what like why are we at a, we're at a coffee shop at two in the afternoon this i don't this didn't it didn't read date to me in so the three I think months this of texting. Is, like, coming back to where we started, I think this is one of the problems with me, I guess, um, with with guys mostly, uh, is that I'm pretty transparent and they have this like weird complex, like I have to conquer. And there's nothing in me that you have to conquer because like if I wanna get laid, I'm gonna make sure you know that I want to get laid and I'm just explicitly going to tell you exactly that. And and then they're they're like kind of like baking, baking up even though I That is I so need- Russian, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most Russian thing I've ever heard. Like that's, we do not do that in America. We're like, I've never done this before. I would never do this. Me? Laid? What? Never. Like what? Like that's wild. No, like, do you want to get d- laid? Like what? It doesn't always fly in Russia as well for me. Oh really? Like I had people were like, I would be like, wait, so let's make it clear. I don't have any long term plans for you. I like you to say have, that. Yeah, like you to have sex that. with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like that's no wonder they can't get their dicks hard. You're like, I have no long term plans for you. But I just want to get laid. I want to get laid, and I want to do it consistently. Like, because you know, I, I'm I'm getting horny, I'm getting aroused, and I want to meet. Um, I need to meet my needs. So we have good sex. Okay. We tried it once. So what's what's the problem here? Like, why not? answering my messages or just and then we would meet I have up no and, serious plans for you why aren't you texting me back <laughs> I mean it's pretty serious like I I want my I want my pussy to get fucked for like next five months in a row every single week and what's the problem here <laughs> I can't breathe I think I just lost the baby. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. This is amazing because like I I am is I'm pretty direct mm-hmm. and it never, but I am not that direct. <laughs> like I'm like, wanna come over? What are you doing later? Like, uh-huh. you know. Uh, but that's very, so guys don't like that. They're they get intimidated by that. Some of them don't, but those that do, it's like very clear and and just nice for them. Do you think it's just they have feelings for you and they want more or that's they they finally got a piece of what it's like to be used as a piece of meat and they don't like it? <laughs> it's like holding a mirror up. It's like, mm, having you been doing this to girls for the past 15 years? Doesn't feel so good, does it? Uh, some of them like it. Um, I mean, 
long term relationships are uh I mean I didn't really think you should necessarily think about them from the very beginning. Interesting. Uh, puts a lot of pressure on them right it away. It is a lot of pressure. And that's very, a lot of is pressure. that a very American thing? Because in America, it's like you meet someone and the default is like, are you my husband? That's like where you start. And then it's all downhill from there. Well, I mean, as someone who spent actually eight years with the person she slept with for the first time and had a kid with them. Kinky. I, <laughs> so kinky, dude. Like, I mean, I, I, I guess it's it's not, I don't think it's a cultural thing. I think it's just something that I learned mm. after. Um, and I just, maybe it comes from, and it's just a theory. I don't really know how it works for me, but I like to be transparent about things. And I think I learned how to speak about what is, just pick up my mind in all other realms of my life. So I think when it comes to relationship, I also think that transparency and clarity is um, it's a good thing. Yeah. Vagueness is usually the enemy of any kind of intimacy. It's yeah. like having like like messed up expectations. Like you just like to manage expectations. That's mm-hmm. very humane. Yeah. And regarding long-term, like expecting long-term relationship, I feel like it's just, it kills um, just the fun of it in the beginning because also with oh, a true. number of people, I I thought, like, they thought, because I'm really, if I'm into someone, I'm really into them. So I was just like, I will really make it clear. And then they're getting scared. They're like, oh my fucking God, you want to marry me? I was like, no, I don't. I just like, really want to fuck the shit out of you. <laughs> that kind of seemed like the dream girl, actually. <laughs> well, it's, I don't really have, as I said, I don't have a problem. It's just all of this is, I mean, like a zoology lesson for me. Learning about human behavior is yeah. it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a trip. And then, can I? Where do you meet guys? Like just online or? Mm. Um, I I don't use Tinder or none of the dating apps. Um, sometimes just uh, Tinder is mostly for like throuples now. It's like looking for a third. It's like what is happening. <laughs> And then it's like guys in like like snorkels like with duct tape wrapped around their face. Like it seems like it's gone a little really wild. Yeah, I didn't. Check Maybe it that's in a gonna second. make you want to go on it. I don't know. Um, I I'm a little bit sapiosexual. Not always. And what is that one? Huh? That's sapiosexual. That's anyone. It's no. It's uh, sapio is when you love their brain. Have you dated older? I did. Yeah. Yeah. What happens there? It was nice. It was uh, it was a lot like a uh, time machine, a cultural a time, time machine. machine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was with this guy who was twice. He's like, what's it like in the Soviet Union? You're like, what? <laughs> He's like, I remember when Stalin ruled this. You're like, oh, buddy. No, and mostly music and um, movies. And so this person was twice as older and American. Um, and also somehow connected with culture. So it was just, I think I read every single book that like, was formative to that person and watched the movie. And then, but the problem is, 
um, I mean, it's just for me. So once that intellectual journey finishes, it's like also the interest also finishes. I don't know. And also we were not, I mean, our sexual appetites were not the same. Mm. Oh, interesting. That was a problem. Well, yeah, he was passing away. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he didn't have an L4 left. Oh, Morgan and Morgan. Oh, Morgan and Morgan. I love talking about Morgan and Morgan because I'm oddly fascinated by car accidents. Did you know 35% of all fatal accidents occur between 6 p.m. and midnight? Did you also know people aged 25 to 34 have the highest amount of drivers involved in car crashes, which is why I'm not that age anymore. I was sick of it. I don't want to be involved in car crashes. That's why I turned 40. 25 to 34, highest amount of drivers involved in car crashes. You guys are crashing more than 16 to 24-year-olds? Embarrassing, okay? People age, oh, but, okay, but people age 15 to 24 had the highest rate of emergency visits due to car accidents of all age groups. Okay, so when they crash, they go a little bit harder, but 25 to 34 crash more. Interesting. Okay, well, we all get in fender benders. It happens, life happens, people are dumb. Sometimes you're like just not paying attention. I Okay, so there's this wall at the comedy store, Pat. You know when you drive in and there's that wall on the right? I don't, I don't know if you know about it, but it moves. It, it sometimes just moves like two or three feet. Did you know that? The retaining wall for the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Like it'll just move. Like some days it's like two feet further over. I don't, it's a city. It's just like a city issue. Like, I don't know if it's, I don't know. If, I don't know. It's very, it's a haunted place. I don't know if it's earthquake. I don't know what's going on. But there are days I'll come in, it'll be a full four feet further up than it was the night before. And what am I going to sue the comedy store? What am I going to sue the San Andreas Fault? What am I going to do? I mean, I, I know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? So uh, also being seven months pregnant, backing into stuff, it's just, it's trick. It's like, I'm looking, you really have to lean on your mirrors. You And I'm almost trying too hard not to get into an accident in that parking lot you know when you like you're so focused on not getting an accident that's when you like you pay attention so much that you're like not paying attention so i was trying to back out of a spot and like this dumpster magically appeared maybe the wall that keeps moving pushed it out or something i don't know i mean i didn't do anything wrong <laughs> that's clear <laughs> but i just was like there were so many people in the parking lot. There were so many distractions. Thank God I didn't hit a person. I didn't hit another car. I just hit a dumpster. But it was like one of those little close calls that I was like, oh, what if someone was in between me and the dumpster? Like, what if there was like, if that was someone's car, that would have been a real problem. And it would have been totally my fault. So I guess I'm saying, I'm telling you about Morgan and Morgan in case you're ever in a parking lot with me <laughs> to protect yourself from me. Morgan & Morgan is America's largest injury law firm. They have over 100 offices nationwide and more than 800 lawyers with over $15 billion recovered for over 300,000 clients. Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record of fighting to get full and fair compensation for ya. Morgan & Morgan has been fighting for the people for over 35 years. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy because look, getting justice shouldn't be a hassle. 
Being seven months pregnant is hard. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan and Morgan is easy, even though I'd like to submit an injury claim for the person that got me pregnant. Different conversation. If you're ever in, <laughs> you can check out Morgan and Morgan. Their fee is free unless you win. For more information, go to fourthpeople.com slash Whitney. Dial pound law, pound 529 from your cell phone. That's for F-O-R, the people dot com slash Whitney or pound law pound five two nine from your cell phone. This is a paid advertisement. Can I ask, was there like when you were in prison, like, do you feel like you, uh, you obviously you come out a little bit of a different person, you know, mm-hmm. but do you feel like it softened you in ways or hardened you in ways? And this is a crazy question. I know, like, are there things you look at where you're like, that's an experience. I'm actually glad that happened, uh, mm-hmm. that it happened in some weird way. Yes, um, it makes you learn much more about the power and power structure. Because, like, people I know that have been in prison are always so much smarter. Really? There's just, like, this crash course in human nature and how the world works and, like, just what's important. Like, everyone I know that hasn't been in prison is still in this mental masturbation. Like, there's just a clarity that people have when they've been in prison. Amanda Knox is a good (laughs) friend of mine, and she's just, like— one of the smartest, funniest. Mm-hmm. And when she's enjoying something, she really is enjoying it because mm-hmm. she has a contrast of what it's like yeah. to live that way. You know, it's almost like, you know, she's been able to enjoy her life even more because she had that nightmare experience. Whereas a lot of people just like waste their lives complaining because they have nothing mm-hmm. to, they don't have the misery to compare it to, to realize like how fortunate are we they are. Coming up with a, a policy proposal. <laughs> Everyone should serve <laughs> two years in prison to to ship up and shape out. Yeah. You all need an attitude adjustment <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Everyone I like and enjoy being around has been in prison. <laughs> oh, well, that's what they used to say in, in uh, Soviet um, Russia. And they sent people to army uh, for two years. Mm. So I remember when I got sentenced for two years in jail, everyone... Well, it was completely different time. So right now, you you know, like everyone's aware that Russia is this evil continent, evil country that just they. I mean, they literally eat babies alive. Um, Putin and his supporters. Anyway, so now it's obvious for everyone. So when we were put in jail in two thousand twelve, um, the crime was technically hooliganism, it right? Was hooliganism, and for everyone, like, it was. People were freaking out. Like, people couldn't believe that for just dance and a little song that lasted for 40 seconds, you would be sent to jail for two years. Do you think Putin himself decides this or do who? who? And he does. Um, and he comment, commented about our um, performance multiple times. So when he does it, it means that he, uh, he controls the case. Russia is very, I mean, Again, it's like not news for anyone today. Russia is very centralized. But I feel like we were one of those first wake-up calls for um, for the rest of the world about who Putin actually is. Yeah. Because I remember before that, a lot of um, and politicians in other countries believed that they can have an actual conversation with Putin. And... You know that that was a wake up call, and I think 
it's not like I mean people did care about us but it was mostly like oh fuck like he's like this guy's absolutely absolutely went insane I think it was like more through like sports like I just remember growing up and being like in the Olympics we have to beat Russia it was just like what like why is this our number like gymnasts fighting like kind of felt like you know it's sort of and then it was like you know Cuba and then you're like oh they're coming like I heard about it but yeah I didn't really think a lot about Putin per se you know Mm -hmm. what I mean um Russia is so far from our, we just don't learn a lot about it. You're just mm-hmm. like, we have to beat them in sports. That's like all you really learn. And the gymnasts are just badasses. <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's all you really know. Just as long as the vodka keeps coming, the people <laughs> seem cool, you know, and then you get into like how craven it is, you know, but it's also, there's such a limited amount of information, like just with it is. the way that yeah. they he controls the information, which is, I think, right now, like people are really getting interested because you always have to have some kind of selfish motive, unfortunately, in order to see, you know, what's on the horizon of like the, you know, it must be so weird to be in America when like five years ago was the first time people were talking about fake news and oh, what if this isn't real? And you're like, that's probably all you've ever known, right? Pretty much. Um, and it's a fun fact about fake news. Um, I remember those trolls that were posting things about like shit about Hillary and about um, Bernie and they were from Russia um so those guys they're Prigozhin trolls you know Prigozhin this Wagner guy who just almost made a military coup in Russia recently. oh yeah 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 so oh, he was involved in that he was I mean so he started as a private chef which of- can I say something crazy even that I was like is this even real that he's a private chef. Oh no, that he <laughs> Oh. Well, if you're a private chef in America for presidents, you are going to die in a paddleboarding accident. <laughs> it just happened with Obama's private chef. Really? And it happened with Hillary's private chef, Hillary Ooh. and Bill. Um sorry. <laughs> I always forget she wasn't the president. Um and he wasn't just off having an affair, but yeah, I feel like <laughs> two presidential private chefs have like died off the coast of Nantucket in the last 20 years, which is very odd. Private chef for Putin isn't your job to just taste everything and make sure it's not poisoned. Not back in the day. Okay. They met um I think before Putin was the president even it was in the 90s. It was in St. Petersburg. So they go way back. And this is another thing about Putin, he only works with people who he knows for. Yep. 30 years. I bet. And how does he keep the loyalty? He obviously pays them a crazy amount of money, but is it just there's always a knife at your throat? Like there's just always a threat he can poison you at any minute? Because I worked on a project about Silvio Berlusconi and Silvio Berlusconi, um, who did a similar thing in Italy, basically took everything he knew from Putin. Like he studied Putin and did. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he started getting in trouble for not paying taxes, his four best friends died of suicide in three days you know it's like so people are like i mean it is the money i'm sure but there's also like if you don't do what i say you'll just get poisoned or Mm -hmm. does this guy have some weird charismatic i saw him in a video Mm -hmm. i gotta say he was talking about ukraine and they were like why are you invading ukraine and he just went because they're a bunch of drug addicts and it was just like there was something charming about being like because it's the it's the kind of thing that you would only say if it's true. Like it's a crazy thing to just accuse. Like they're just a bunch of drug addicts. It's just like to accuse the whole country. It's just a wild thing to say, and you're kind of like, oh, like I can see how older Russians or you know, I can see how that would be charming to mm-hmm. people to be so honest, to be so blatant, you know there's just there was something about it where i was like i see and it's kind of funny it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a funny charming like not 
prepackaged, annoying politician-y things to say that someone else wrote. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like what a lot of people find charming about Trump is that whether it's true or not, at least he's yeah. saying something that's kind of like someone else didn't write it. There's something kind of refreshing about it, which I'm fascinated because, you know, it's like Hitler. I mean, like, to me, it's just people with Tourette syndrome. I <laughs> I don't really think a politician has to has to do that. I, I, I think there are entertainers, comedians, yeah. uh, clowns, uh, performance artists, um, all sorts of people yeah. who can make jokes jokes and be stupid on camera i love doing that yeah but in my mind a politician is someone we elected someone who works for us someone who is responsible and we can ask him or her or them yeah to be mature adult responsible and just cut the bullshit because when putin rolls around with this stupid jokes that he makes it's like he's thinking much more about himself and the way how he's going to be um, perceived and presented rather than um, about the future of his country and his people, actually. So I don't I don't find it charming. Don't find it interesting. Is there much comedy in Russia? Because, you know, it's like there's there. uh, It's extremely sexist. But you're not allowed to make fun of him. Uh, Or would you be? Not currently. Um, You would be jailed or. Um, you would have to immigrate so that there is that. But no, I mean, there is um, like comedy club. I never watched it. It's no, no, jokes about my girlfriend takes so much time to uh, dress up. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. a setup. Where's the punchline though? I don't know. Not a big fan of that. Um, but yeah, they're good comics, but they're mostly out of Russia right now there's an interesting article in the atlantic uh brian resnick wrote it uh it's called how power corrupts the mind and about like the neurological changes to your brain how Mm -hmm. it starts to uh, literally have brain damage Mm -hmm. and comedy like i don't know the history of bdsm but the history of comedy (laughs) in america stand this is where stand-up comedy started but like the idea of the court jester they even knew this four or five hundred years ago the idea that um, that there should be a court jester, someone making fun yeah. of the person in charge. And if the person doesn't laugh, that means their brain has been corrupted. Mm-hmm. That means that they're no longer fit to leave. That's smart. So someone who can't laugh at themselves, if you aren't able to go, hey, Putin, you shirtless on a horse looks, you know, ridiculous, whatever, yeah. you weird centaur, whatever. Um, the funniest thing about him that he actually thinks he looks mad sexy. <laughs> Dude, I'm so fascinated by, because I have like some Russian friends and I make them tell me stories about i'm obsessed does do you do is it a common thought that he's got doubles like that have gotten plastic surgery to look like him some people believe that um i don't find it interesting to indulge in those theories just because i think things are i mean does it help you to solve any problem that you have in front of you does it or doesn't? So it doesn't help me with anything that I'm working on. Because well, I think I'm more sorry to do this, like as a comedian, I guess, or a writer. So it is useful for you. It is. Well, it's not useful. <laughs> I just, I'm all I can think about. Like, let's say there's two guys that got plastic surgery to look exactly like Putin, right? Yeah. And like, Putin apparently is like sick. What if he dies soon? Like, then do they have to kill the guys that look like him? Like, is do they have an active interest in keeping Putin alive? They can make another plastic surgery. To- yeah, they, can they go back to what they <laughs> used to look like? Can they de-Putin themselves? Like, it's just like the idea of you're like, wait a second, this guy I look exactly like him. When he dies, like I- I'm gonna have to go too. 
You know, it's just like there's it's just to me, the idea that this guy has gone so above and beyond just to continue to be hated by the rest of the world. It's like there's got to be some kind of wild brain damage. And I also am so fascinated by the things that that these kind of despots do in mm -hmm. order to stay in power. And it makes me think about, you know, look, a lot of totalitarianism, they they stay in power by this i know this doesn't sound like a conspiracy theory but they benefit from everybody love i love them i they do tend to benefit once well, so you just look at you're like this is the largest country in the world full of super smart people like how do you know of course the fake news or the you know not allowing twitter and the you know disseminative sharing of information but also it's like keeping a population on drugs high drunk like it's like does the drinking age being 18, I was reading about the vodka consumption over there. Like if you're, if everyone's drunk, like they're not going to challenge you, you know, like the things like that, that seem mm -hmm. like, like just a cultural norm where you're like, oh, is this something that also helps? Like you look at, you know, America, like no politicians are fighting, trying to fight the fentanyl crisis or the painkiller crisis. It benefits them in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. If people are just like asleep and they're not paying attention and yeah. they're desensitized, you know? And you can even make this argument. Um, and there were, um, people who are making this argument like in pretty um, interesting fashion. So um, they, they said, um, look at antidepressants and mm -hmm. pretty much everyone is diagnosed with depression these days, including me um, on um, antidepressant medication for 10 years. Um, and it's like, maybe you live in a fucked up world. So you feeling fucked up is... It, it actually makes sense. So it's just like a normal reaction of uh, or like people being. diagnosed with yeah. anxiety. It'd be weird not to have anxiety right now. Absolutely. I mean, you, if your life is financially unstable, and this, a lot psycho of people, this psychopath might hit the nuke button at any point. Which, by the way, I love the way that we think it's just a button. <laughs> like I'm sure there's like many codes and where we just think it's like we literally think that the nuke button looks like this. Like I we just do <laughs> think so. I, I, this is why I love to incorporate this button in my artworks. My my artworks are full of this red buttons because this is really how we think it is. Like a, yeah, like a Bugs Bunny just like gets yeah. thrown on the wall and just like hit. Like I feel. But then I can't help but think about like the four or five nuclear scientists who like have all the codes and they're like if this guy really tells me to do it are we gonna do it like it just is like the way this guy can mind control people is just why does he really have it what the nuke button or like would it really ha i don't even know they call it new um nuke suitcase Oh, it's a suitcase. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and that's <laughs> even more ridiculous. He's just got like a Toomey roller bag with the nuclear codes in it. Like, what are we doing? Because it's like when you look back at, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, the Cold War, when you see some of the tanks were fake and they were cardboard, they were like Mattel, like, you know, like, I don't know. I'm, I definitely, I definitely lean towards the moon landing being staged, even if they went. There was no way they got that good of footage. You know what I mean? Like, let's say they went fine, great. I'm not. It's just like when you look at the footage of the moon landing, it looks so ridiculous. It's like you can kind of see. Yeah. Well, but there was such an arms race. There was such a competitive need to show Russia. Look at all the stuff we're doing. Mm -hmm. This sort of like dick slinging contest that I don't know at any time. Putin says he has something. I'm always like, mm, I want to see. I want to see this suitcase, this silver Austin Powers suitcase. Uh, I think with him, it's your um, suspicions are very real. They have they have the good soil um, because he really lies a lot. So if you look at his um, 
Cosmos program, like we have this thing they call Ross Cosmos, and they claim that they have like rockets and shit. But whenever they send things to space, it just explodes like every <laughs> single time. <laughs> but they keep telling people they actually have it. I mean, they do, but it's more like dummies that don't actually work. Uh, so Putin and his supporters are really full of shit. And so that's why this um, military coup that almost just happened in Russia was really important because it showed that the emperor really has no clothes. Because if just one military unit can just simply reach Moscow within 24 hours, that means that you're not really protected anymore. Mm, and... It also showed his incredible hypocrisy because Prigozhin, the Wagner guy, and um, all of his uh, dudes just left without any um, criminal case, even mm -hmm. though they actually killed a number of people while they were marching on Moscow. Uh, but people like me were dancing in the church. I get two years in jail. Or a friend of mine, Alexei Navalny, who you probably know because his uh, documentary just won an Oscar. Um, he is a brilliant, amazing politician. So he is being sentenced to another additional 20 years in jail Jesus right now. Christ. On top of the 10 years that he has already for just investigating um, what types of property and policies and yachts um, the upper echelon of our power has. When they poisoned your ex-husband, can I call him that? Yeah. Was, that, was that, do you think the intent was to kill him and they missed or do you think it was just a scare? I think so. I think, I think that they missed. So if I he, love that they're just like trying to kill people. They're <laughs> like, ah, oh, sorry, we got the dosage wrong. God damn. We shouldn't have said the dyslexic assassin. What, we didn't even. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're not bright. And I, I love a dumb murderer. <laughs> Who just Me like, too. They're like, I'm really he's happy. still alive? <laughs> we gave you four things of hemlock in the suitcase. Like, I'm have sorry. You, have you seen the documentary, though, Navalny? No. Like, what are you saying? It, it literally happened in, in real life. So Navalny was supposed to be dead by now. but And then he survived. I... I was one of the people who helped him to get out of Russia because I already had uh, this experience by then because um, my ex-husband was poisoned before. So I knew how to... Do you know how he was poisoned? Was it like in food? Um, like so how my ex-husband was poisoned, I think it most likely with food. They sneaked into his hotel room and put poison, this nerve agent, on his underwear. Then he put underwear and um, he collapsed when he was... Russian men wear underwear? He collapsed when he was on the plane, and I think they calculated that he had to be on the plane like certain amount of hours, like six hours. But the pilot made um an um how do you call it emergency, I mean, the, emergency landing. landing, emergency landing. So they brought him to ambulance, and he was saved. Um, it was not, it wasn't supposed to be like that. So then he um he went to Germany, had a treatment, um, and then. He God, fine. He called his murderer, I mean, assassin. Uh, he called his assassin on the phone and asked him, so I'm calling from the FSB and what exactly happened? Uh, what exactly went wrong? Why Navalny is not dead? I'm really mad about it. And so he staged like he's calling from the FSB. Yeah, just 
watch the movie. It's really, it's really fun. It's like such a heavy subject, but the guy is just um, absolutely brilliant. He makes like behavior subjects uh, being really funny. Do you think that like this is intentional? The fact that Putin pushes for laws for the better treatment of animals. He has a law that prohibits petting zoos inside malls and restaurants and prohibits the killing of stray animals. But also at the same time, he said, didn't he say that uh, the, um, like on the state level, they can decide what they do with stray animals? I don't, but the, why does he, like, weird cause for this guy? Like, I, you, have you ever Googled, like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure you need to take a break from Googling Putin after what you've been through, <laughs> but I will never stop. But you could, like, if you just Google him and him and puppies, I, dude, he's kissing puppies in every photo. Like, he'll be at like a meeting, but with also kids, like, he doesn't know he's like keep kissing them in the belly he's a weird guy <laughs> <laughs> he's such a weirdo dude can you look at i'm not trying to make excuses like but just has there been any like psychoanalysis you know i guess there's no way unless you're really in there with the person when like you look at like hitler you look at like putin you look at berlusconi and you're like did, like were they not loved as children? Like what? Like what need is this filling? Like, or is this just psychopathy? And this is like mm -hmm. psychopaths or sociopaths with the perfect confluence of circumstances can ascend to be like. It doesn't even seem that fun or rewarding, you know. I mean, I guess if money is the only thing you sort of care about, and life becomes a video game to you, and humans just become you're like in a simulation, and humans just become little objects for you to manipulate, and it's just like you think it's just like fun for him. I think those people you mentioned, they definitely have their distinct characters. Uh, Putin's probably the closest one that I studied. Um, he was not popular as a kid. He was like most most of his life. He was this gray. Grew up poor, mouse. right? He grew up poor. Um, he he grew up poor in Russia, right? So now he's making sure everyone else grows up poor in Russia. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, I think. He knew that he was being appointed as a president. So he was not charismatic when he was appointed a president. So we should not complain. Uh, we should not compare him with other politicians who were um, like actually had like some sort of career. Then they turned bad. So he was um, a corrupted gray bureaucrat that nobody really cared about except when they needed to do some mon money laundering scam. Ooh. So that was his whole life. And then, so he, he was good for stealing and coming up with a um, way how to get more money for him and his comrades. Um, but then he was appointed as a president um, by Yeltsin, who knew he was weak and he was dying. Mm. He needed to find um, a successor. And him and oligarchs who were around Yeltsin, they thought that Putin is a safe bet because he's so much of a nothing that he would not be able to go against them. Yep. And it was a wrong bet because sometimes when you pick up just a person who's just a nothing, you realize that they, they have, have nothing a lot of, to lose and they need to. He has just, I think, so much resentment because he's been treated his whole life and rightly so as total nothing. Okay, can I ask you one last question? You have a yes, daughter. Can I get some parenting advice? Yeah. My mom also didn't want me to become like my dad, who she hated because they separated. And she obviously saw some features of him and me mm. and half of his genes. 
and yeah she she didn't like that she would be just like she would give, be giving me bad time for reading um aristotle or nietzsche she'd be like you're reading again <laughs> go to your room you're punished for yeah. reading philosophy <laughs> as a child what yeah because my my dad i mean like she the reason why she didn't um like him because he was just like this idealistic guy who would always think big thoughts but was completely not practical and so she was a man <laughs> big thoughts and impractical <laughs> that must be a russian thing <laughs> so she's so screaming at me being like you you you're reading Nietzsche again. You can end up just like your dad, who can. You're not going to be able to buy yourself a pair of shoes, and like all, all, all sorts of other things. But and what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. <laughs> That's what Nietzsche said. But I feel like just because I'm so honest with my daughter about everything, and I really treat her as an adult. Some people say that kids do not have to know everything that's going on in your life, and like really. I mean, like it's, like it's a burden that you put in them that they shouldn't have. But but when you lie or omit, they know something's off. Yeah. And they can sense it and feel it. And then they stop trusting their own reality. Right. So that is my thinking. And also, this is what my dad did with me. He always treated me as an adult. And I mean, I have to say, it does fuck you up on a certain level. But, you know, like life is just a long process of getting fucked up, really. Yeah. You cannot escape traumas you're, you're gonna see them at some point experience them at some point and i think so, it's also really traumatizing to protect a kid from bad things for their whole life and then they yeah. leave the house at 18 and realize yeah. what the world is really like and it's like i see so many kids that and i don't mean to say we're loved too much but like kids that were coddled and they go yeah. out into the world and they're traumatized by an eight-hour work day they're traumatized by someone going yeah you can't work from home you need to work in the office today and they're like i'm triggered and you're like what, what happened yeah you know, like this is like, I think, I don't know. And there's a great book called Hunt, Gather, Parent, which is all about like how you should always, um, number one, never try to like do anything that you wouldn't do anyway. Mm -hmm. Like the idea is like you don't do things just for the kids entertainment. Like they just want to be doing what you're doing. You let them do chores with you, yeah. even if they're bad at it. You let yeah. them do something mm -hmm. and you just continue being an adult and they get to be with you instead of you yeah. going like, I'm going to infantilize myself and try to like entertain my kid and meet them at their level because they're at whatever level you're going to sort of treat them with i think that's a really smart advice um and weirdly my daughter sensed it um when she was um at a pretty young age we traveled with her somewhere and um she was seven perhaps and i i told her let's go to water park and she told me well i want to go only if you actually want to go there Ooh. <laughs> yeah if, if i could sense that i didn't really want to make my ass wet and chlorine water yeah and she was do like, you want to get a yeast infection mom let's go please like, do you, you want to go swim in fecal matter and chlorine because i'm happy to just stay here with the ipad i'm cool um right and so this is how she prefaces everything that we we're about to do together or like even now she's 15 and we're about to watch a movie or go somewhere she always makes sure that it's not it's not just for her it's for both of us you talk about shoplifting in your book i love this was this something you feel like you did because you just were poor and you wanted something or did you feel like you got like a adrenaline like hit out of it because a lot for a lot of people that's mm. like a, their first drug no i hated it oh. i mean i didn't like it but 
I, I mean, it was also like a rational way for me to um, explore my own boundaries. Well, so I believe that you have to work. I mean, like you have to be able to stick to a more like a set of moral principles that you develop throughout life, right? And like, I'm very idealistic and almost like moralist person when it comes to that. But mm. um, I think that this moral that has to be your own moral and, or moral of your community that you belong to. So in my community, stealing from big companies wasn't like actual theft. It was like whatever. Sure, they have so sure, much stuff, sure. additional stuff, and they're already putting the price that somebody might steal this bottle. So we're not actually hurting anyone by that. Interesting. So it was... I mean, like a little bit like <laughs> Dostoevsky character again. Um, and I remember that student who was just like, can I kill this old lady? Um, like, am I actually have power to overcome this um, and, and kill her and take her money and live with this money freely? Or I have to obey till the rest of my life to this um, human's moral so in my case i definitely didn't want to kill anyone but the i mean the the mechanics i guess is the same so people tell you you're a bad person because you steal and i was just like i was just such a good girl i was like <laughs> i was getting all of the best marks i never wanted to disappoint anyone so it was really difficult for me to overcome it and then didn't want to disappoint people who worked at the store but i was just like no 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 i've decided that in my world, in my circle, in my community, it's not an immoral act. Right. So for me, it was just like this insane Dostoevsky level drama every yeah, time I yeah. would step into a shop. A company that underpaid their workers, where some CEO is like stealing all the money. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not technically stealing because they owe no. us in a weird way. So, so I was taxing them in, in this. I bought into <laughs> that way too fast. I was like, yep, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm never paying for anything at Whole Foods ever again. I'm like, wait a second. It really is like once you start thinking that way, you realize like how stolen from we all are. And then it was a little bit of myself, like strength training for for my shyness, because also for the same reason I would go to um, men's restrooms when there there's a big line in women's restrooms you know mm. it's always a thing so i'd be just like well it's just a toilet it's just a fucking toilet it i do that all the matter. time i don't think i do it in russia <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's a place i would feel courageous but yeah like anytime it's like it's fun i mean like when it comes to gender norms or even attitude to homosexuality russia is not as backwards as putin wants it to be yeah. So he's just running with this uh, conservative agenda. So for him, it's like, what's it, what's up with being gay in Russia? It's just not a thing. I have, I mean, I have a lot of gay people. It really depends on where you live. Uh -huh. So if you live in Moscow, St. Petersburg, it's much better. It's much uh -huh. more developed. If you just the idea that a man that rides a white horse shirtless is homophobic is so funny to me. He has to come up with. I don't think he has any strong opinions on on gay people. In fact, I, I I think he I mean like deep inside I don't think it really bothers him 
And I don't think homosexuality really bothers a lot of Russian people. Because if you look at the 90s, it was the time when... It's a lot of men dancing arm in arm. It's, it's a so gay much culture. queerness. <laughs> Russian culture they really like has a lot of to be queerness. Like, I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> You're well, a dream. You're brilliant. Oh, thank you. You are so brilliant. <laughs> Read and Riot, Pussy Riot Guide to Activism. I love this. And then on your website, do you have all your performances, uh, your masks, everything there? I think the best thing is to go to Instagram. Okay. If you're not against Mark Soderbergh. <laughs> I mean, look. <laughs> Zuck, I I can't stay mad at you. I can't, <laughs> I can't be mad enough to stop using Instagram. We're not I'm not at that level. I don't have that kind of morals. I like Instagram. Can't do anything with it. So Instagram, Linktree, everything you need to find um, is there. If you want to watch videos, then YouTube push it out channel. Are you struggling with YouTube censorship stuff? A lot. Yeah, yeah it's gotten lot. really wild. I mean, we'll have to bleep pussy and pussy riot is my guess. Um, yeah, I mean, it was insane. It was like, crazy to the point that I felt like I need to change the name, like really change the name. But then it was just like, that's weird. I mean, I spent two years in jail standing up for what I believe and I'm just going to change my name because of. Now um, you're in YouTube jail. Yeah. <laughs> How is that Courtney worse jail. Than, a, than a Siberian prison? And then I reached out to everyone I knew in Google and YouTube, and they somehow was able to help me because, like, there is an exception for it if they, um, I guess, tell you, like, your cultural phenomenon, whatever, you can say pussy and dick. And, and I didn't get that. <laughs> We've been corresponding with YouTube. No one said that yeah. I'm a cultural phenomenon. It's the phenomenon filter. What? In your name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I will be sending an email going, hey, but I'm a cultural phenomenon. You know what? It doesn't really help that much. So you're not good. You're not going to get like shadow banned hard because I was shadow banned, especially during the pandemic. I feel like yeah. it became really strong. So yeah. some of my things just won't show up on search, like so no matter annoying. how deep you go. If you show like I got shadow banned, like kind of on purpose, like I had a nude photo that was like someone was trying to extort me and then I posted it on purpose so we couldn't sell it. And then it's like immediately I was shadow banned, you know, and it took like weeks to get back up. But like, yeah, nudity. I mean, that's why I think OnlyFans is such a miracle. And I'm, I think I'm doing my next special on OnlyFans TV because Yay. YouTube, Netflix, like you can't, if you on YouTube even say QAnon, even if you're saying like, I think QAnon's bad, if you say Hitler, even if you're like not being pro-Hitler, they'll just like take it out. I had um, Riley Reed on, uh, who's Lover. the best. We just made a photo shoot with her. <laughs> She's like the best. And I think we said porn star. She said being in porn and then it yeah. became age restricted. It's like, it's uh, basically like turned into Disney now. So it's just, if you say vaccine, if you say Pfizer, like everything is just automatically taken down. This is not ideal. And what's not ideal is that there is no way you can uh, vote for or against it. Right. So no. this was, was um, really interesting to me about um, blockchain stuff that the, the the way they try to develop this new apps uh, with uh, in which you can um, exit like the, the app with your with your followers. No, I mean like, um, it's blockchain based. Like it's not it's not necessarily connected to money side of um, the crypto. Um, so basically, I mean, blockchain is just a global supercomputer. So it's just a technology that enables all sorts of weird experiments yeah, that right. I really love. 
um, at times and sometimes they're completely lame, like, um, you know, in everything that humanity does. Um, and they've been experimenting with things like, so let's say you have Instagram and they can, I mean, an analog of Instagram on blockchain and you can um, escape um, with, uh, from, from the app with all of your followers without losing them and oh. just move it to another one. Um, because blockchain allows you to have this digital ownership so it's not just like you coming to instagram or twitter or x and and just wow. renting this place from them you actually own something and just sounds much more dope i, feel I like love that you could not say x without going like x <laughs> <laughs> just like buddy <laughs> buddy <laughs> Like you're like you know Twitter X like <laughs> a lot of us you know that we all do that we're like you know X like it's like like are you should I post this on X or Meta like I just you guys should know that's how we all say it why did they do that because <laughs> they're dorks and dorks be dorking dude like you can't you don't get to do like I don't just I don't know go fight each other in the Coliseum that's the only way to solve this just fuck already you nerds. I know, let's change Facebook to Instagram to Meta. We're all like, <laughs> check me on Meta. Like, <laughs> no one's doing it, dude. Nobody. Losers. That said, Alon, I would love to have one of your test tube babies. Oh my gosh, you're a delight. I love you guys. Don't ride elephants.